Welcome to StartupRad.io, your podcast and YouTube blog covering the German startup scene with news, interviews, and live events. Hello and welcome everybody. This is Joe from StartupRad.io, your startup podcast and YouTube blog from Germany. We are wishing you happy Easter and this interview is our Easter special. I do have... A French-speaking English guy here with me from Berlin that I would like to welcome. Hey, welcome. Thank you very much. Benjamin, can you introduce yourself just a tiny bit to our audience here? Yes. So, hello, audience. Uh, I'm Ben. I'm 31 years old. I grew up in Bristol in the UK, and I studied in London. I studied philosophy and economics at LSE. Uh, I traveled in South America for a year, um, became more or less a hippie, uh, came back, decided that I wanted to actually use my degree, but also kind of wanted to be a hippie at the same time, and the happy medium seemed to be startups. So then I found my way to Berlin uh, on an internship that paid 425 euros a month, um, and kind of never looked back. That is fascinating. Uh, when I've been looking at your LinkedIn profile, which, by the way, everybody would like to reach out to you directly, they can find down here in the show notes. When I was looking into your LinkedIn profile, I realized, okay, you've been there at LSE, then you came to Berlin, then you had some stops in Ghana, in Asia, Ghana and Africa, then some Bangkok, Asia, and then you came back to Berlin. Can you tell us the story how this actually happened? Yeah, so I, I think I, I should tell the story of um, of kind of of cryptocurrency back in the day because when I met my my co-founders to be, it was 2013. The price of Bitcoin was 60 euros. We had launched the first German language blog about cryptocurrency. Uh, so it's just the space was absolutely tiny. And, and before Bitwallet, we had a, a number of companies that were leading up to that. So we first started a, a, a cryptocurrency consultancy. So the idea was to get the big companies in Germany and, and the rest of the world to start using Bitcoin. Uh, that didn't go very well, as you can imagine. Big companies don't want to change that much. Um, and then we started uh, solving the problem ourselves, and we created the company builder. So um, we started ourselves as uh, kind of the rocket internet of cryptocurrency in the sense that we would push out lots and lots of ventures and kind of do this very experimentally. Um, it was a really good time for us because by creating company after company, we learned a lot of skills. Um, but uh, back then, we were kind of very decentralized uh, as a company, just as cryptocurrency tries to be a decentralized form of finance. So while we were based in Berlin um, for most of the year, uh, we would travel. Um, so I, for example, lived uh, two winters uh, in, in Bangkok or based out of Bangkok. Uh, and the funny thing was that you would have to leave Thailand every 30 days, even if it was just for 10 minutes to refresh your visa. Um, so there were lots of people living there. And then every single, every single, single month, they would go and they would leave. Uh, and I took this as an opportunity to travel around. So I ended up seeing lots of different countries in Asia. Um, and then this was while I was collaborating with my with my co-founders in, in Berlin. And at one point they came over to Thailand with uh, with me and we all hung, hung out on a beach together, um, kind of uh, going going surfing in the morning and then uh, answering emails in the afternoon. So it was a really nice uh, time of, of being a digital nomad and having a very good uh, kind of work life balance. Um, I found my way to Ghana uh, because 
there was this really fantastic opportunity that came up. I was in a meetup in Berlin and uh, someone was presenting their, their cryptocurrency startup idea and it was a exchange based out of West Africa, a cryptocurrency exchange. And if you talk about cryptocurrency, one of the things that people got excited about most at the, the earlier time was the application in the developing world. Because, uh, you know, if you talk about, talk about the unbanked, um, that is it's where you find them. There's 1.7 billion unbanked. If you look at remittances, um, you can pay up to 20% fees for sending money to certain parts of sub-Saharan Africa. And so people thought that cryptocurrency would be used as a way of, of enabling financial services for the developing world. And uh, just kind of like mobile payments um, are more common in Africa than they are in Europe. Uh, this could also be a way that, you know, web technology is, is uh, leapfrogging uh, Europe, um, which is a phenomenon that we see more, more, more and more. So I, after the presentation, um, I walked up to him and I said, hey, that was really, really cool. Thank you for sharing. Uh, I'm working in cryptocurrency myself. And then he started telling me about the school. And the concept was simple. It was uh, a school where the smartest West Africans, after their undergraduate degree, would be invited and they would do a startup boot camp effectively, where they would do a one year course. They would learn business, communication and technology. So three disciplines in one year. And then they would come together in teams and then create a startup and then pitch for funding and then tagged onto the school that wasn't an incubator. So for me, this was a really fantastic idea because I think what technology has done more than anything else is to lower the, lower the barrier to entry. And regardless of who you are or where you are in the world, if you're able to get access to a laptop and the internet, then you can pretty much code a basic product or service and then put it online. And so this really resonated with me. Um, and I was also really interested to see how finance works in the, in the developing world. And so I popped over and for a year I was, uh, I was mentoring startups um, and I've gone back a few times since. And uh, yeah, all of this time I was also working on Bitwala. So we, we all kind of had different things going on. Um, at the time, Bitwala wasn't making very much money and we didn't take any funding. So we kind of all needed to have um, secondary gigs effectively. Uh, and it was kind of a time where, yeah, we were already focused on, on Bitwala, but I guess um, we, were, we, kind of, we were distributed around the world and we all had kind of secondary, uh, secondary focuses. Um, and then, Everything changed at the end of 2015 when we got our first funding round. Um, that was um, 800,000 uh, euros from Hatha GF, who's the biggest seed investor in, in Europe, and uh, Digital Currency Group. And then it was, uh, yeah, it was time to make things a little bit more serious. And I had to fly from beautiful, beautiful uh, Ghana to uh, a notary office in Berlin when it was raining. So it was a bit, a bit of a wake up call, but um, I, I see it as being two different kinds of challenges and adventure, you know, like there's one kind of which is traveling around the world, uh, seeing new things. Um, but if you don't invest in something and you don't put roots down, then you'd never have the opportunity to see it grow. So for me, this is just a different kind of experience and a different kind of challenge. When I've been listening to you, I had several questions. One of them was when you had to leave Thailand every like 30 days, you traveled to a lot of Asian countries. Which was your favorite? Uh, I think it's, uh, it's really difficult to talk about favorite countries. I think um, of the places I would settle down in, 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 in Asia, it would be uh, Taiwan or South Korea. I find that 
there is a place where it's easiest to make friends. You have people of quite a similar mindset. I think Japan has the most unique culture. If you go to Japan, there's a lot of a lot of the world, unfortunately, in my opinion, tries to try tries to look up to Europe or the West. Um, and so you have like um, Thailand has quite an American feel in terms of kind of the cultural aspirations. Whereas a country like Japan, they want to be just 100% Japanese, and they don't really worry about uh, outside influences much. Um, and then I think like best food for me is definitely uh, Thailand. I think it's absolutely delicious. As I've been living and working in China, of course, for me, uh, Chinese food is number one in Asia, especially um, the big chicken plate from Xinjiang. But we have to say a big annyeonghaseho to our listeners in Korea who have been um, subscribing us and downloading us into the Czech podcast charts there as well as Taiwan where we... Um, Nimenhau, where we've been uh, scoring in the tech Spotify charts as well, I do believe, but that was uh, like a year ago. And um, very interesting countries. That said, let's go a little bit to the notary. Maybe we can tell the people that in Germany you have to be there in the office of a notary and they read all the stuff all the stuff to incorporate a company and um i don't know if it's still the case but if you have been incorporating a company in in the past they will also ask you are you undergoing psychological treatment or something uh, was that a case with you as well and how was it to incorporate company i mean you sit there for like two hours then you get a stamp you show your passport and that's about it right I, yeah, I mean, um, two hours maybe for incorporating the company, but uh, as soon as you get into funding rounds, uh, that goes up very, very quickly. So yeah, this is completely alien for me. So I have two German co-founders, um, which I'm very happy about because they could pretty much do all of the heavy lifting, lifting when it comes to to, uh, to creating a company. Um, but it's quite a weird experience because you go into a, a very nice office. Um, and then a lawyer comes in and he basically reads through this massive contract. Um, and then occasionally there'll be corrections uh, or, you know, questions, but most of the time it's just reading. And our last funding round, for example, it wasn't two hours. I think it was 19 hours that we were in this room together. Uh, and it's, I think it's relatively unique to Germany because I know it's a lot easier in the UK and our Japanese investors um, they they were sitting there and they were like, what 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 is going on? Like, why do we need to be in this room for such a, a long amount of time? Um, but having said that, I do kind of understand why, because it's just good for everyone to hear all of the all of the contracts just read out uh, one last time. And there have been last minute negotiations or you know clarify clarifications that have happened between parties. So um, it's not the most pleasant of experiences, but you get champagne at the end if you sit through the whole thing. Um, in fact, I've got a notary appointment on Thursday, but uh, this time we are sending a lawyer with a power of attorney um, as we don't expect there to be any controversy uh, during the reading. So um, yeah, I get, to, I get to not spend that time in the notary office. Okay, 19 hours is not unheard of, but usually it's split 
between several days and uh, usually there are some breaks in between so it's not like you you came there with a pillow and had to uh, rest on the floor while people are taking turns but it's usually advisable to take um, snacks with you and uh, the, the notary he or she won't provide the champagne you have to bring it yourself plus um, personal experience if you have uh, a co-founder somebody who is not speaking German you have to bring a translator and the notary will read it and the translator will translate and then the notary will read it and the translator will translate which can uh, extend the time quite a bit right uh, yeah, so my, my German is good enough that I can I can follow a German contract, so that's never been an issue. Um, but I, I can say to your listeners, uh, if they want a notary who does provide really good snacks in the form of, of sushi and, and other things, and champagne as part of the notarization package, um, then they should look at uh, uh, Flick Gokka, um, that's uh, F-L-I-C-K-G-O-C-K-E. Um, who's our notary here in Berlin. I can uh, also provide a link over LinkedIn, um, but I can re highly recommend them for anything to do with startup fundraising. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Startup fundraising. I've seen you guys from Bitwala have been doing several rounds and raised quite a lot of capital. But let us first start with the name and then with the idea of the company, right? Okay. Yeah, so the name... Um, the name Bitwala, uh, it has uh, kind of two different um, two different directories. Uh, the first is Bit, which comes from Computer Bit or Bitcoin, and the second uh, was the idea of Wala. So um, in India, you you call the guy who brings tea a Chaiwala, and uh, you also have Hawala banking, which is a very um, a very old form of of, uh, of remittance, effectively uh, long distance money sending. Uh, and so for us, it's um, combining these ideas and ideally we want to be the company that is the bringer of bits. Mm -hmm. And you guys are, would you agree that you are a neobank, a challenger bank offering cryptocurrency services as well? Or would you say you're like a cryptocurrency company or a fintech or something completely different. Uh, yeah, so I would describe us as um, as a neobank. Uh, so uh, I think um, I think you can use lots of different terms like an investment platform, uh, a cryptocurrency startup. Uh, but I would say that the, the core service is around uh, the bank account and the ability to trade directly from the bank account. Um, so I guess our long-term vision is to combine the best of the investment world with the best of the neobanking world and to put it together in one platform. That's it. So basically, I assume you're working together with several companies because you are not a bank by itself. Like many challenger banks, you actually have a bank in the background, a fully regulated banking service provider, right? Yeah, that's correct. So... Uh, Bilwala Gambehar is not a bank, and we're working together with Solaris Bank, who is a B2B2X uh, banking as a service provider uh, based here in Berlin. Um, and they're powering a few other banks. So as a neobank, it's very typical that you start off not having your own license, because to get your own license is a lot of time, a lot of money, and a lot of personnel. Uh, and core banking 
is relatively uh, unexciting, or rather that's not where the innovation is happening. The innovation is happening at the distribution layer. So N26, for example, uh, with whom we share an investor, they started off by using Wirecard and they created an extremely uh, enjoyable user interface and experience on top of that banking API. And then when the time was right, I can't remember how many customers, but I think it was um, the kind of three or four years into the startup, then they got their own license. So it makes sense at one time, but I would say that all startups need to focus um, in, ex in an extremely strict way. And right now, we want to just focus on providing our customers the best experience. And we don't think uh, getting a banking license in the next year is a way to do that. And my understanding is you guys are a neobank offering additionally cryptocurrency services like getting um, switching on your current account like between Ethereum or Bitcoin and euros, right? Yeah, so we, we, we let people buy and sell Bitcoin directly from the bank account. So this is really useful because of the high degree of liquidity. So for example, if you want to uh, buy Bitcoin on the weekend, well, you can't. You need to make a bank transfer to the exchange, wait for it to arrive, and then when it finally does, then you can trade. Uh, likewise, let's say you're a little bit short on cash to pay your rent, uh, but you have some cryptocurrency. Again, that would be a multi-step, multi-day process to get it from your, your wallet to your bank account via an exchange. With BitWallet, you can sell uh, and buy Bitcoin and Ethereum 24-7. Uh, that means also on, on the weekend. And what's really cool is if you need some fast cash, then you can just sell part of a Bitcoin and that money is on your bank account, ready to be sent via SEPA, direct debit, or via your MasterCard uh, directly within the app. Uh, how long would such a transaction take? Uh, uh, let's say I'm now selling Ethereum and how long will it take until I have the cash on my account that I could spend other? So we have a, we, we try and keep to an SLA of one hour, but most transactions are, are clearing even faster than that. So I think the median time is about uh, 20 minutes. One more question. Are you guys actually providing this one hour service also during the weekend? Yep. What cryptocurrencies are you guys right now covering? I've seen Ethereum and Bitcoin and we talked about it. Any other? Because I assume there are, let's say, one or two more out there. <laughs> yeah, I think I think there's just, just two or three out there, not more. No, uh, uh, if you go on coinmarketcap.com, then there's, uh, you'll see um, yeah, a very long list of thousands of different cryptocurrencies. Um, it's pretty intimidating for someone who's thinking about getting into digital currency for the first time, um, and completely understandably so. And that is actually why we don't intend to integrate any more cryptocurrencies at this point in time. Uh, so if you want to buy and sell as many cryptocurrencies as possible, then there's already solutions out there. Whereas with, Bit with Bitwala, uh, we're offering what we see as two core cryptocurrencies. So you have uh, Bitcoin as the store of value, and Ethereum as the, the fuel for the decentralized finance ecosystem. Uh, and these are the two things we're focusing on at the moment. And then the direction we're really interested in going in is more decentralized finance. So financial applications built on top of blockchains using cryptocurrency as, as part of that service. Mm -hmm. 
when we've been talking, I have been writing down two questions. One of them was who's actually providing the custody service of the uh, cryptocurrencies because it's of course uh, very important for everybody who would like to bank with you guys to be sure that uh, also the cryptocurrencies are sure because in the past, unfortunately, we had a lot of hacked even Bitcoin blockchain cryptocurrency exchanges. Yeah, so security is a really big thing uh, in the cryptocurrency space because the the person who has the keys has access to the funds. Um, so it's not like a bank transaction where uh, if if a, if a criminal moved money on your behalf, then you could probably get that money back. Um, on the euro side, we uh, protect our our customers. Um, with the typical German banking guarantee, so up to 100,000 euros is protected. And then on the on the cryptocurrency side, we are actually offering non non custodian wallets at the moment. So that means that the customer is the custodian of the wallets and holds their own private keys. Uh, this is also um, a really cool differentiating factor for people in the crypto space. Um, there's a saying, "Not your keys, not your crypto." Uh, which is really alluding to the difficulties that uh, we've had in the past with coins being stolen from exchanges. But with Bitwala, we're able to offer you this high level of liquidity, and at the same time, you hold your own keys. In the future, we'll probably offer a dual solution. So you'll be able to have a non-custodial wallet, which is maybe for larger amounts, and then a custodian wallet for smaller amounts with a slightly improved functionality in some areas. Uh, but for our go-to-market, for our, our first uh, 100,000 customers, being able to hold onto your private keys is something that's important. I see. Let me quickly ch check my sheet sheet. Oh, yeah, there, there was one more thing, because when you're talking here on the podcast, you most likely reaching people in up to 100 countries at the same time via StartupRate.io and our sub podcast fintech germany by startuprate.io and blockchain germany by startuprate.io and i do believe a lot of them are now really getting excited oh look a bank account a bank account i can instantly transfer i do believe there are some restrictions on who can actually get such a account like by citizenship by being domiciled somewhere stuff like that right yeah so uh, unfortunately we can't we can't accept people from all over the world yet but what we can do is accept anyone who is resident in the EEA. So that's European Economic Area. That's basically the EU plus a couple of countries. Uh, so even if you're from New Zealand, but you're living in France, then you can sign up with Bitwala. Um, there's always in banking a special case for American citizens on FATCA. You take in American citizens when they live in the European Economic Area? Uh, sorry, I misspoke. There's a, there's a few exceptions, and unfortunately, yeah, Americans um, are one of them. Uh, we would love to accept Americans, but uh, the legislation just makes it extremely onerous uh, to, to do so, which is, is currently why we don't. And this is something we can hopefully change in the future. Strong recommendation. If you ever have trouble finding sleep, go online, look for FATCA uh, regulation, and you will fall asleep very very fast nonetheless there is a lot of important regulation and very strong punishments included so that's why a lot of banks try to avoid american customers like everybody with a u.s citizenship at all 
Um, I've, I've even heard that that is one of the top reasons why people living outside of the US are actually dropping their US passport. That said, let us dig a little bit into like the past of Bitwala. There are basically two questions. I'd have now in the past you've been providing a credit card with crypto connections. You are not doing that anymore, right? So we we had a, a initial product which was Bitwala 1.0, uh, and I guess let me just explain the, the the history on a conceptual level. So we've always looked at ourselves as uh, being the bridge between old finance and new finance, between traditional finance and uh, decentralized finance, crypto and fiat. So when we first started, one of the companies that we that we created as part of the company builder, it let you buy anything with Bitcoin. Hooray! People have Bitcoin, uh, but you can't really spend it anywhere. That was a problem. So we made a very simple site, um, allforbc.com, where you could send us a link, send us Bitcoin, and then we would buy it on your behalf. People said, that's great. Uh, and can I pay my rent with Bitcoin? Can I pay my phone bill? Um, and we said, well, no, we would love to do that. But unfortunately, um, yeah, we, we needed a different kind of license to do that. Um, but then we thought, hey, this is a really good idea. So then we evolved into Bitwala 1.0. Uh, and this was bank transfers funded by cryptocurrency and prepaid debit cards funded by cryptocurrency. Um, so this was really helping people uh, live in both worlds. So um, people who had a lot of Bitcoin, but then they needed to, to buy things or pay for things in the existing world. Also, people who didn't have access to financial services. So we had uh, some some uh, customers in the Maghreb, in North Africa, who were getting cards in order to uh, pay for web services, um, which was quite cool. And this, this product was working pretty nicely. We had uh, very strong growth. We raised another funding round on this, um, but then the beginning of 2018, our uh, banking, uh, our card provider called Wavecrest, um, they had their mandate from Visa revoked. So they were basically breaking rules. Um, and then Visa said, hey, we're not going to work with you anymore, which of course had a knock on effect on us and about a dozen other companies in the industry who were all using uh, Wavecrest as a card provider. Um, so this was really uh, bad for us because we just we just lost everything. We lost our traction. We lost our customers. Um, we had uh, yeah pretty much just gone from from something to nothing, uh, and we had a really uh, yeah really dark couple of hours when we were discussing okay what are we going to do in the future, um, and we decided as a company that we're going to rally around and we're going to try and move towards um, our, our next goal, uh, which was creating the world's first cryptocurrency bank account. So it really went from buying things with Bitcoin to financial services with cryptocurrency. And then finally, it's integrating these two worlds as closely as possible by putting trading and wallets directly together in a bank account. Uh, and then we worked the whole of 2018. Um, it was actually kind of nice not having customers in some ways because, uh, you know, you can just you can focus. Uh, you don't have to worry about customer support requests or like second level support or you know manual database changes. Um, you can work on a much more kind of conceptual, idealistic level, uh, and that actually allowed us to produce a much better final product eventually. Um, and we also learned a lot from our previous mistakes or, or efforts. And then yeah, I think um, it was a really, it was actually kind of in the long run, it was it was a good thing for us. Um, and then uh, yeah, we launched uh, in December 2018 our new product. Uh, world's first cryptocurrency bank account 
And yeah, we've been uh, running with that live product for a, a year and a few months now. I would be interested in two things about your most recent product, your cryptocurrency bank account. Uh, how does an average customer of this product look? Like I would assume he's male, better educated, so on and so forth. Plus, uh, can you spell a little bit, a uh, little secret between you and me and like fifty thousand listeners of this podcast? Um, actually, how many listen, how many uh, customers have you already onboarded for this account? Uh, so the average customer of Bitwala is, uh, yeah, is unfortunately male. I think it's a ninety-two percent male. Um, Fifty uh, percent of our customers are resident in Germany, so this is uh, where, where people know us best, and uh, yeah, also we can we can publish in, in the German language. Um, and I can say that the average uh, verified user is trading around four hundred euros a month with us, and the average trading user trades two and a half k with us a month. Um, and I'm afraid I can't say how many users we have, but we are going to share some usage numbers um, in a press release in the uh, coming weeks, I think. Um, so as a startup, you need to be really protective of your numbers because you say one thing and then the press will use it in a, in a different way in the future. Of course, I'm not accusing you of that, Jon, but uh, uh, yeah, for now, I can't tell you exactly how many users we have. Too bad. Uh, one more question, because as the people who are looking at this um, via YouTube and maybe um, if they're listening to the audio only podcast on their device they can see or read that you're CTO plus CEO how this did this happen yeah so I I founded the company with uh, Jörg and Jan and uh, it, it was Jörg as CEO uh, me as CTO and Jan as CEO Uh, and over the years, yeah, the company has grown from uh, being three people to being uh, 70 people, uh, as it is today. Uh, and at one point, York decided that he was going to step down. Uh, and then I stepped up from being CTO to CTO and CEO. Um, so I think it's really good when you have a CEO founder. Um, actually, startups who do have this uh, are more successful statistically. Um, and given the story that we have, I think it's important that there's someone who connects all of the pieces together. Um, so I'm lucky that I have a very talented um, head of engineering who reports to me and a head of security and infrastructure. In fact, we hired the uh, director of security from Rocket Internet, who's been with us uh, for um, over a year now. Uh, and so although it sounds like a lot of work having two positions in a startup, um, I'm able to delegate a good deal of that to people I really trust. I see. Now we're getting a little bit towards the end of our interview. And there's several things I kind of ask you. First, uh, wh what are you currently looking for? Are you looking for VC investments for investors? Are you looking for people to hire? What are you looking for? So honestly, what we're looking for right now is to is to scale at the rate that we're scaling without anything going horribly wrong. Uh, so <laughs> it, right now the company is growing extremely fast. So um, yeah, our growth our growth is, is going pretty crazy. In fact, our user numbers increased um, by 50% uh, in in January. Um, we've been hiring maybe, uh, yeah, up to five, five new positions a month. We've doubled in size over the last year. Um, so really what I want to do is to make sure that 
even despite this rapid growth and this really exciting time, that we can still hold on to what makes Bitwala Bitwala. Um, and, it, and stuff like culture is extremely easy to lose um, if you don't pay attention to it. So I would be happy if we can carry on at the same pace and nothing goes wrong. Having said that, of course, uh, we're looking for fundraising. Um, we, uh, we, we, we don't need to raise our Series B just yet, but we're looking at a Q3 of this year. We're hopefully raising um, a relatively large round. And uh, yeah, more people. Um, positions open right now include the head of design uh, and about as many engineers as we can get our hands on. What are you looking for, like a target for your Series B? Uh, in terms of in terms of uh, the size of the round, yes. So we would like to have um, maybe 15, 20 million Series B, uh, which is relatively ambitious. But um, right now is a really good time for crypto. It's a good time for neo banks, uh, and yeah, we have the growth to support that that uh, that amount. Mm -hmm. Then there would be only one question left. Um, if you could choose like any position in the world leading a company as a CEO, which company would it be and why? Man, that's a really good question. And it's actually a question I ask people when, when I'm interviewing for Bitwala. I say if you could have any position in the world. So it, it, I, I have to tell, I, I, I didn't know that before the interview, right? The pure coincidence. Uh, man, that's that's really tough. I think, um, like, I, I I kind of have a very broad career plan, which is after uh, Bitwala, um, after we we IPO or, uh, or after we crash and burn, whatever happens first. Um, I want to go back into tech in the developing world. So, ideal job would be something which allows me to uh, yeah, empower people uh, to to improve their lives through technology. Um, I don't have a specific company in mind. Uh, of the of, of, of the GAFA companies, I think it would probably be uh, Google uh, because I really like the culture and, and the personality of the people in the, in, in there. Um, so if it had to be one of the, the, the big tech uh, four or five, then it would be Google. But um, yeah, I'm probably looking to go back, uh, back into Africa after Bawala. That was a great interview. We may tell our audience that we've been recording for more than 30 minutes right now. Actually, I told you I was looking for more like 20 minutes, but always good to have a great guest. Everybody who would like to learn more, you can go down here in the show notes. You'll find your personal LinkedIn profile as well as the company website and some additional information. For example, what a GmbH actually is. And would you like to say goodbye in all the languages you know? Oh yeah, okay. So, <laughs> I'll say um, uh, goodbye, au revoir, auf Wiedersehen, arrivederci, zajian. There's got to be some more. I think that's good enough for now. I've hopefully uh, managed to say goodbye to maybe half your half of your audience so far. Muchas gracias. Hasta la próxima. Bye bye. That's all, folks. Find more news, streams, events, and interviews at www.startuprad.io. Remember, sharing is caring.